We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm joined by Jason Pat. Jason, some stuff going on this week pertaining to the Bulls. There was Bulls Fest, which is the fan fest. Uh, We got some extended media availability from Mark Eversley. Uh, He gave an interview to the dudes over at CHGO. He talked to Darnell Mayberry at The Athletic. Uh, We're going to talk about that a little bit. We got some Lonzo updates, I guess. Lonzo (laughs) confirming he's out for the year. Whoopee. He also appeared on Trey Young's podcast uh, and gave some really sad quotes about (laughs) where he's at right now and... Uh, just about like how the Bulls sort of fell apart without him. So we got to hear from Lonzo, one of the few times we've actually heard him speak on his injury. So that was interesting. We also got a weird little Lonzo back and forth with (laughs) Stephen A. Smith. That was super bizarre. Stephen A. Smith uh, really like talking out of turn in that one, I thought. I thought that uh, what Stephen A. Smith was saying was just totally ridiculous. But we'll get to that later. Uh, And we got some ESPN power rankings that project where the Bulls are going to finish in the Eastern Conference. Uh, So, Jace, I think we should start with this Mark Eversley, uh, these Mark Eversley media appearances. Um, I have the article pulled up by Darnell Mayberry, The Athletic. Uh, Jace, what did you think when you read that story and when you listened to him with the CHGO guys? Yeah, so I mean, I think most of it was like generally fine. Again, like when whatever when executives talk, I feel like usually you have to take a lot of it with a grain of salt. They're like they're not going to come out and like bash their team for the most part. They're going to hype their guys up, and I mean, he did like whatever talked about like mentioned talked about Vooch and like oh like he was our number one priority this offseason, yada 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 like whatever fine. Uh, like talking about Demar, talking about just like they loved what Demar has done. He like kind of hinted at maybe like extension talks, but it wasn't like. Um, 
like clear. Let me go find. I'll I'll find that quote there. But let me just talk about like we'd love to have Demar around like long term. Um, here it is. Demar has been great. He's been terrific for this group, not only on the court but off the court. He's been a leader. I would love Demar to be a part of this program long term. Let's see how that plays out and what that looks like going forward. When those conversations take place, we'll speak about that more when that happens. But we hope Debo is back. He's been in, an integral part of this program's success. What success that is? Uh, well, one playoff win and one play-in win, whatever. We hope he's here long term. So like. Hinting that like they would maybe like to talk about an extension, but like not really like saying like for sure. I mean, he could kind of say like we'll see what happens. So like Demar, as we've talked about many times on this pod, available for an extension. Uh, we've talked about how we're kind of worried about them giving him one. Like we could see them giving him like a two-year short-term thing to kind of line up with Vooch uh, and just like see where this kind of goes. But there was so there was that talked a lot about player development. And Billy Donovan apparently everything is great with Billy Donovan. They love what he's done. The player development. He did. It was interesting that like he talked up Kobe, that he loves Kobe's development, talked about IO and why they brought him back. Uh, Pat, he kind of was a little more like this has got to be the year for Pat. Uh, and he did admit that their player development could have been better the last couple of years. So it was kind of interesting that he did make that admission at least. And like, I think we uh, agree that it certainly could could have been better. Um, and I mean, it was, that was like a big part of when they got hired. They talked about how we're going to beef up our player development staff. Uh, of course, they finally brought in a shooting coach. He did address that part, that as well, and talked about how he's, they're already seeing some, like, some of the changes there and the work that he's put in. Uh, he talked about Julian Phillips, admitted Julian Phillips probably will not play much this year, that they're not expecting much, um, but that they're hoping whatever long term, he's six, eight wing guy who can really help. So like he did address a lot. And like, so there was really a lot, especially in that, uh, in the written up thing for the athletic. And he was, again, he talked with CHGO for a while too. I didn't, didn't see that whole podcast and listen to it all, but like it was, a, there was a good recap of it. Um, and just kind of read, read a lot, some of the highlights there. So, um, I think, and, th- and then I think there was the end of the athletic interview with Darnell was funny. It was Darnell asked, asked him point blank, like what would be a successful season? for the Chicago Bulls in 23-24. And Eversley answered to win more games than last season, which, like, come on, man. Like, they won 40 games last season and won a play-in game. Like, if they win, if they win 41 and 41, is that a more successful season? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to, like, crush the guy, but that was a pretty brutal answer. He did in the CHGO interview acknowledge, you know, like, we'd love to be in the top six. The play-in was nerve-wracking. We don't want to do that again. So, like, that's at least a little better. Like, but at least, at least, at least like, if you're bringing this team back and you're talking about how everything's great, like, we love Billy, uh, we love Vooch, bringing him back. Like, there's not many centers can do that we do. Like, uh, we love, we want Debo here, like, long-term. Like, he's been a big part of the success. At least give me, like, it's a success if we win a playoff series. Like, give me something that's at least a little more ambitious. Uh, but as we've talked about on this podcast before, the Chicago Bulls and their ownership ma- and management do not seem very ambitious because they are happy to just kind of be in that play- playoff mix, maybe get in that top six, maybe win a playoff series. Uh, like, of course, like you talked about, they're obviously like not going to be a championship contender this year, which is fine. Again, you don't have to say that success is only a title. Let's We've talked about that as well. And like, if you're title or bust, like that's just not really a healthy way to go about about it, especially if whatever you're running a team, but like at least have a little more ambition than win more than last year when you won 40 games last year. Give me a little more than that, my man. But like I said, overall, I thought like I thought Darnell did a great job. Like, these guys did a good job asking him. It was just nice to get him out there uh, because again, like we don't really see Eversley talk much. AK barely talks, and Eversley like almost never does. Uh, so it was nice. 
Um, and Darnell was also asking him just kind of about like him, like embedding himself in the community. And there was some good stuff about that. Um, I, I actually, one of the last, last years I lived in Lakeview on Southport, I saw Mark Eversley just like walk by when I was sitting on my steps. Uh, I was like, who is this? Dude? I'm like, that's freaking Mark Eversley. Like, that's kind of funny. Uh, I wish I would have said something to him, but I'm too much of a scaredy cat to do just ask this dude like when I'm sitting in front of my apartment. But uh, yeah, overall, mostly fine. But I, I must admit, I did chuckle at that that end of the athletic interview because it's just like, man, that's just like so bulls, so Jerry Ryan's or, uh, and uh, well, maybe we'll talk about the White Sox. Jerry Ryan's are actually firing another some his uh, front office for his other team. But anyways, rookie, your thoughts on Mark Eversley's thoughts on the Chicago Bulls. This article with Darnell is a complete disaster from Eversley's <laughs> perspective. I thought <laughs> Darnell's questions were fantastic. Yeah, Darnell was great. He hammered him on uh, so many things that I think the fans want to hear from Arturis and Mark Eversley because they haven't spoken to us much. Right. basically only talks two, maybe three times a year. Eversley basically never talks. This is the most we've ever heard from Mark Eversley before. And it is impossible to read this article by Darnell Mayberry in this Q&A with Bulls, uh, you know, number two in command of basketball operations, Mark Eversley, and come away with it with a favorable impression of the organization. I think it's an absolute disaster all the way around. And we can really take it from the top. So the first question Darnell asks him uh, how do you evaluate your job performance in your three seasons here? Darnell, great question. And Eversley totally blows it. He brings up Lonzo getting hurt, which is so similar to Garpax constantly bringing up Derrick Rose. <laughs> now, of course, Lonzo getting hurt really did change a lot for this team, specifically because they pay him $20 million a year. And that has remained on their cap sheet with him not able to play. So, yeah, we know that the team was much better with Lonzo. We'll get to Lonzo later. I wish Lonzo was healthy. It's a gigantic bummer that he's hurt, and it has changed the team. But uh, the parallels to Garpax just constantly using the D. Rose injury as an excuse uh, is just a little... a little unfortunate to hear, I think, if you're a Bulls fan. And then, even worse, when he's talking about last season, he brings up going 14-9 and nine down the stretch. Of course. <laughs> trade deadline, which AK always brings up, too. It's like, guys, most of the teams during that part of the schedule are not really trying. Like, the Nuggets, who won the championship, I think were, like, under 500 after the All-Star break. Yeah, they went through a rough stretch. 500. They just don't uh, fucking care. They yeah. basically put it on cruise control. A lot of teams did not care during that period. So for the Bulls to constantly puff their chest out and say, we went 14-9 and nine after picking up Patrick Beverly, I think is just totally ridiculous. And the... The unfortunate thing is, like, they've mentioned this enough now where, like, they really believe that that performance down the stretch is indicative of where this team is going this upcoming season. And I think that's totally insane. So right away for him to bring that up, big failure. Next, he's talking about Vooch. He says, Vooch is a starting center in the NBA. There's just not a lot of them. (laughs) Yes, he is. That was never a plan for us. How do you replace him? And we didn't like those options. That's why we brought Vooch back. Well, it's like, Jesus, guys, like, can you have any creativity with how you want to address the present and the future of this roster? I do see the appeal of 
Vooch, starting with his durability, mostly like the fact that he played every game and gave you above average offensive play, your defense finished number five overall. You can see, uh, you know, why they would like Vooch, not even to mention everything they gave up to get him. Uh, but to just be like, well, there's not a lot of starting centers in the NBA and he is one. So we're going to keep him. <laughs> like you could have tried to sign and trade. You could have like had a bigger idea for how to construct this roster rather than just running back a 41 team. So, uh, I thought that that was another bad answer by, uh, by Eversley. Then Darnell asked about, you know, why did you run it back? And when, you know, your team doesn't have a championship ceiling, he says, well, we believe our ceiling may be different than others. Uh, to me, that's just an open admission that, like, we don't need, like, our success is not dependent on being a championship contender. When we say we want to be a contender, that's to be a playoff contender. And the team seems very happy with that. Of course, this is not news, Jason. This is how they've operated since they brought in our terrorist and Mark Eversley. Uh, but to hear him sort of attacking critics of what they built. Well, yeah, of course there's critics of what you built. You went 40 and 42 and you traded <laughs> a ton of future draft picks to build that team. And, uh, you know, you apparently plan on keeping it together for the foreseeable future. So I thought that was really bad as well. Then Darnell asked Eversley about what he does day to day, about what his role is. And I thought that like, this was another part of the interview that really like shook my faith in the organization. Not that I have much, obviously <laughs> I would do have faith in the Chicago bulls, Jason. That's a total fool's errand right there. Uh, but Eversley talked about like sitting in marketing meetings <laughs> and it was so reminiscent of like, there was a viral tweet going around the other day about like the Cubs staff compared to the White Sox staff. And basically the White Sox just like didn't have many scouts. They didn't have many developmental guys. It was just like a very small front office and coaching staff. Well, this is the Bulls number two in charge of basketball operations. And he's talking about sitting in marketing meetings and them <laughs> asking him, what's the slogan going to be? Uh, so I'll read off this paragraph. Eversley is talking about his role in the organization. He goes, so what is my role? I deal with all those factions within our organization, whether it's sitting with someone and talking about what's our tagline for the year going to be from a marketing perspective, whether it's sitting here with you right now and talking about the team, talking about Bulls Fest talking about the things we did last year, we did this summer and what we envisioned for the future. He says, it's hiring staff. There's turnover every year. We lost four coaches, three from our G League team, one from here. We lost a couple bodies out of our performance area. We had to re-sign people in the performance area. So like that makes sense to me that he's dealing with, uh, you know, like the coaching staff and the player development staff. But to have Eversley sitting in a marketing meetings to me is like totally ridiculous. Like the one big thing that hinders both Reinsdorf franchises is that their cheapness does not just show up in the roster. It does not just show up in Andrew Benditendi's $75 million <laughs> contract, aesthetically being the biggest in White Sox history. It's all the other ways the organization fails because Reinsdorf does not make a proper investment. He hires a few people. They're employed forever, regardless of their job performance. And there's just not enough. There's not enough staff. There's uh like all the way around. Uh, he then gets into talking about hiring Peter Patton, the shooting coach. And uh, like you said, Eversley states that like, yeah, we don't think we've done as good of a job as we could have the last few years, 
developmental wise. So then he starts talking about Patton. He goes, we've done some things in the player development space. We hired Peter Patton, who is a shooting coach and our director of player development. And I'll tell you, he's had an immediate impact on our players in this gym daily. He's brought the organization and he's brought organization and a structure and a focus to our group that we sorely needed. We're excited about bringing him into the fold. Uh, Dude, it's like you needed a bigger coaching staff moving forward. Like you hired one player development guy and that's great. I'm really glad they hired him. They should have hired him sooner. Hired him a they few years had, ago? <laughs> they should have had more guys like him on yeah. staff and just like build a bigger, more complete staff. Uh, so I just, and then, you know, the last thing is just DeMar. Him saying, we want DeMar around long-term. Like, well, you better not sign him before this season. I think that, Really, any way you look at it, while DeMar is still a really good player, uh, he, it's, you know, it's not an outrageous belief to think that he puts a hard cap on the team ceiling with his style of play. And to already say that you want him around long term, like maybe you just say that is the GM because, you know, he's your guy. I think they had a connection, Eversley and DeMar previously, uh, dating back to their Toronto days. But, like, you just had a 41 season, man, and he's going to be 35 years old when he enters free agency next year. I just thought that was strange to say we want DeMar around long term. It's like what you should really be trying to do is to improve the team and your best player is old. Like, maybe you need to pivot this thing somehow. Maybe you can't just keep running headfirst into the wall now that you know that Lonzo is not coming back. He's not going to be the same again. Uh, We talk about that, too, Jason, but... I don't know. I thought that uh, Darnell did a great job on this article. And I thought Eversley's answers were sad and pathetic. And ending <laughs> up, how would you define success in 23-24, winning more games than we did last year? I mean, Jesus, man, you won 40 games. Just really, really sad. bad answer. It shows like how happy they are with mediocrity. What they want, Jason, is for the stadium to be full, for people to be excited about the Bulls. And it puts Bulls fans in an awkward situation because it's like, you know, people's lives are shitty enough as they are. Like, you want to watch your favorite sports teams and, like, get that community that comes with it. That sense I like going to Bulls so, games. Even when they're bad, like, I like going. So like, I like going, too. I love yeah. going to Bulls games. Yeah. Um, and it sucks because it really does feel like the only reason there was change before was because people stopped showing up. Yeah. Because there was such vocal pushback. Yeah. Getting rid of the front office. Very similar scenario with the White Sox this yep. year, where basically it was it was just obvious they had to fire Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams. I always believed that the White Sox were going to do that. A lot of people seemed shocked that they actually did it because to me it was very similar to the Boylan era of the Bulls, when like they were just the laughing stock of the league in an absolute punchline. That's what the White Sox have become in baseball this season during what was supposed to be their championship window. <laughs> so bad. Even worse. They they at least at forward. least the Bulls were rebuilding when they like had that laughing stock. The White Sox were the last couple years. Yeah, we're supposed to be a World Series contender. Woof. Anyways. <laughs> 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I do kind of think Ragnarsdorf listens to the fans a little bit. Uh, but, but now like, he's just going to hire that this doesn't guy mean, from within. That doesn't mean that they listen to a few dipshits online like me and you. Like They're going to listen to the fans in that, like, we're going to see the attendance numbers. Yeah. And we're going to see, you know, the... Everybody's angry. Buying a billboard that said, sell the team, Jerry. Yeah. And fans buying a billboard that said... Buy regard packs. Buy regard packs. Yeah. Like, you know, if you want to if you want to get an 80-year-old man's attention, buy a billboard, apparently, because uh, Reinsdorf will respond to that. But uh, I'm excited for this bowl season quite a bit, but it does suck that it feels like the only way there would be wide scale change in the team's goals in their philosophy towards team building would be like for fans to just get really pissed, not show up, talk a bunch of shit online, <laughs> buy a billboard. And yeah, it's just things like, aren't ba- but things definitely aren't bad enough to like get to that level. I don't think like, and they no, have like enough and they have like whatever with Zach and Damar and like Vooch, they have like enough name recognition uh, there. For like they have guys that like fans can at least root for and like like rooting for and like Billy's a big name like whatever big name coach not saying he's great but like they have enough like whatever for people to yeah just like be happy to go to a Bulls game and still fill up the arena and like be at least somewhat competitive and like I said that's like well that's fine for them <laughs> well Jason the team won forty games last year they went forty and forty two uh, the Vegas over under for this team is thirty seven and a half wins we will now talk about ESPN's first projection. 
of the Eastern Conference, which has the Bulls in 11th place at 37 and 45, matching Vegas's over-under. Jason, if that happens, it will be a disaster. And at that point... And you fire. You have to... They get fired. That's a, uh, I don't know if Arturis is going to get fired, but I do think that they would either trade Zach or trade DeMar. They would break it up if they win 37 games. Yeah, I think They're so. as bad as Vegas and the ESPN experts believe. Uh, me and you believe that they will be a little bit better than that. We both think they're going to be over 500 this year. 500 or better, we could say. Yep. Uh, but if they do win 37 games... I think that the conversation around the team is going to get very, very sour, very, real toxic. And then I think it would be tough for them to bring back Billy, to bring back Damar, to bring back Zach. And they're probably fucking stuck with Vooch because no one's going to want it. (laughs) Right. It's 20 million a year. Uh, So we'll see. I mean, the Bulls, it shouldn't be like a huge difference. Seven or eight games, you know, but for the Bulls, it is. Like, if they win 37 games, it's a total disaster. 37 wins would be a really just terrible fucking season. Like, that would just, again, be, like, right in the middle. Like, we either need them to, like, actually be fun and pretty good and, like, be at least challenging for the a top six seed, or does they need to just totally fall apart? Even though I know this upcoming draft isn't great, but, like, being 37 and, like, finishing 11th in the East and, like, right in the middle of the with the lottery what and what is the pick they owe no they don't know a 2024 pick do they, they 2025 right yeah. so they actually have their pick but still yeah i mean even then like if they finish 11th in the east and they're like barely in the top 10 of the lottery like that would just be brutal it'd be a horrible spot uh again just like right in the middle the treadmill of mediocrity and be brutal like i know i know we when we had like our guy laro on he said if they don't if the bulls don't make the playoffs should, i mean they should clean house and i would tend to agree like laro said top six did he say top six i couldn't remember yeah, exactly yeah. but yeah like if you if they don't make the po- the top whatever the top eight after the play and like i don't know how you could really argue for the, this front off stay again because that'd be what four years one playoff win and all the draft capital they've put in and re-signing Vooch to all this money and like and if they re-sign DeMar, if they gave DeMar, if they gave DeMar, DeMar an extension and then they, and then they and then they came out and won 37 games, like how on earth can you keep this front office around? Because they're just be the team would be just be in, be fucked. Uh, and with Alonzo stuff, like just like sitting there, like what? Like it, that's why they have change. no margin for error, because if right. they win 43, they're going to pat themselves on the back and say, we did better than last year. Uh, 43 really, probably gets the final eight and yeah. 43 would not get you in the top. It probably six. gets you the, like seven or eight. Like looking at the ESPN thing, like the seven seed here is Atlanta at 41 and 41. And like I said, we both think the bulls should finish, should finish better than that. Like as like much as we're talking shit right now, like as we've said, we, we think this, this upcoming season should be better. They made some good additions with Javon Carter and Tori Craig and, Eversley did talk about that and what they wanted to add. Obviously, the I mean, obvious additions of three point shooting uh, and some more defense and a little more size with Craig on the wing because they like don't have anybody else. And like theoretically, you hope Kobe and Pat and Io do develop a bit more, even if they're not not huge steps. A little bit more development theoretically should make the team a little better. Again, but how much better is that? Like, yeah, if they do whatever, finish let's say seventh with like 43, 44 wins, and say they get in the top eight, they win a a playoff game they like whatever they lose in five or six games like 
they'll be happy with that and they'll be like, oh, here we go. But again, then then you're moving to the next season where again, tomorrow's what 34, 35, Vooch, same thing. And then they're just going to run it back again. Like I'm curious then what the plan would be there if they're like okay enough. Uh, obviously, we don't really have to talk about that. Giannis is talking about maybe not being happy in Milwaukee. That's their next plan. The big Bulls' next big plan is waiting for Giannis to ask out of Milwaukee and going to get him. He's come down two hours down from Milwaukee and come to Chicago. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just a weird spot there in the middle. And like I said, we we want them just we wanted to see a team that could compete decently well every night. Uh, like if they won if they won forty five and thirty seven, like at least compete for that top six. Uh, and again, if they don't finish in the top six, that would be disappointing because you'd have to go through the play in again. And then like, if you're a seven or eight seed, like you're probably getting smoked in the first round. I know the heat just made it as an eight seed, but like that is not a normal eight seed team. That's a team. Jimmy Butler is better than anybody on the bulls. Bam out of bio. They are a team that made the finals a few years ago. They made the Eastern conference finals the year before. So like I would, you no one would expect the bulls to pull that unless there were like a shit ton of injuries on the way. So like, the, the goal should be the top six. Like I said, Eversley did mention that in the CHGO interview, which is again, a little better, a little more ambitious. But I mean, if you're like, if you're a GM, the team, like you should be, and you're talking to all these guys and your goal should be at least winning one playoff series and putting yourself at least in position to maybe make a conference of a surprise conference finals run. It can't be just, Oh, we need to win more games than last year. And that's a, that was a ridiculous answer. I was not as negative about the Eversley interview overall as you were, uh, I didn't. I think I did gloss through that answer about like the marketing meetings and stuff like that because I didn't remember reading that. I think it was a, such a long answer. I just kind of like went to the next question. Uh, but the last answer of that interview was fucking obviously atrocious. But uh, yeah. So I guess what do you th- in, ter- in terms of these ESPN projections? Anything else like stand out to you about kind of like these other teams around the Bulls? They have the Raptors in twelfth right behind the Bulls. It's, it's kind of jumbled here because we have like at ten the Magic thirty eight wins, nine the Pacers thirty nine wins, the Nets thirty nine wins, and we talked about when we went through like the day the game by game schedule. Like the Magic, we're not sure if we're sold on them yet. Like I would expect the Bulls to be better than them. So and they have some nice young players, but like are they ready to be a play in team? I mean maybe. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to totally downplay them. The Raptors, we obviously joke about being trash. And, like, it would not surprise me if they are not that good and they're outside the play-in tournament. The Pacers, are, I think, are pretty dangerous. Halliburton is awesome. Uh, And the Nets, we kind of talked about being, like, a super mid-team. So, like, 39 and 43, like, sounds right. Like, all those te- all these teams, like, in this group here, the play-in group uh, and then the Bulls and Raptors, I like, feel like those teams could honestly finish, like, anywhere from 7 to 12. And, like, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, like with any of those teams, maybe even pull like come like higher. Like, would, like out of any of those teams, do you think like the Bulls have the best chance to get into the sneak into the top six, or, or is there another team you think would have a better chance? I think the Hawks. I think the Pacers, maybe two. The Hawks. Quinn Snyder's just a really good head coach. I think. Uh, Trey did not have a great year last year, mostly because his three ball wasn't falling as often. Yeah. So if he just shoots it better, I think he shot 32%. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. I think he shot like 32% from three last year. If he shoots 36% from three this year, 37%, like the team's just going to be better. I also think you're getting a coaching upgrade over the whole season with McMillan. I also think the Hawks have some good young players. Nyeko Kangwu. AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson, those are all guys I really liked as draft prospects. And so I think the Hawks have some some real upward mobility. 
obviously just having Trey on the floor presents some problems because he's the worst defensive player in the NBA and he's very ball dominant offensively, but uh, still just a special creator. And, you know, his, his numbers being like, you know, whatever, he's basically leading the league in assists or around there pretty much every year while scoring. He's like a 27 and 10 guy, 28, 28, 10 guy. You can't totally dismiss that, but yeah, I like the Hawks. So I think they could be better. And I really do like what Indy has going this year. Now it's going to depend on Halliburton really taking a next step and becoming like a top 20 player in the league. Uh, I believe Matt Moore had him as that in his rankings today at the Action Network. He ranked the top 100 players in the NBA. The Bulls had four guys in the top 66. Jason, with Vooch coming in at number 49, the 49th best player in the NBA. Caruso coming in at number 67. I thought that was interesting to see from Matt Moore. How many teams really had four guys in the top 66? Uh, Off the top of my head, I would think it can't be more than a few. So to see the Bulls, who were a below 500 team, have four top 66 players. That was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, I would say the Pacers could be, they could be another team that could break into that top six. And I'm not totally sold on the Knicks this year. They're like on paper, they should have gotten better. Uh, adding Dante DiVincenzo. So we'll see. And we'll see how uh, like Arj, if Barrett, like Barrett's had like a huge summer, hasn't he? Like in FIBA ball so far or whatever. Uh, he's, know, he's been like, he's been super stuff. up and down. I've never been like a big RJ Barrett guy, but like if he actually did figure it out, like that'd be pretty huge for them. And, and Grimes is like pretty good young guy. Yeah. He can get better quickly, can probably still get better. So uh, anyways, this is the tier the Bulls are. The teams that the Bulls are going to be sort of competing against are the Magic, the Raptors, the Pacers, uh, Hawks you know, and Nets. the Hawks and the Nets. So can the Bulls be the best out of that group? If they can be the best out of the group, it'll be a pretty good season. One thing I do agree with in this uh, ESPN projection is like, so they have two teams and they have three teams winning 50 in the East. And then the Celtics number one at 55 wins, the Bucks at 54 wins, the Cavs at 50 wins, the Sixers at 47 wins. Okay. And then it has the Sixers, the Heat, the Knicks. Sixers, Heat, Knicks, Hawks, Nets, Pacers, Magic, Bulls. So they have all those teams between 47 and 37. That's eight teams. So I do think that like there's going to be a bunch of teams in the low to mid 40s and high 30s this year. Just because I don't think there's a big talent difference between a lot of these rosters. Injuries will determine much of it. Uh. If Trey Young or DeMar DeRozan or Mikel Bridges goes down for an extended period of time, like one of these teams is going to sink down the standings. But uh, 37 wins, if the Bulls do hit that ESPN projection, would be an embarrassing season and wouldn't cause change. Can't can't be. And I would also be just brutal because I would lose one hundred fifty dollars if they do not go over 30. I think I got him at thirty seven and a half. That would just be that would be, that would just be the worst case scenario. Thirty seven wins. I'm pretty sure I would lose one hundred fifty dollars. They'd be like back end of the lottery. Uh, not good. Not good at all. So. Yeah, I, I I am like I said. I'm I love that we're going to be talking about Jason's one hundred fifty dollars <laughs> the entire season. I am fairly confident. Fairly confident they're getting. Yeah, 
I'm fairly confident they're getting over that. Like I said, if they don't, that's just fucking terrible. Just Jason and I went to uh, Milwaukee yesterday. I went to the Brewers game. Oh, nice. Why I went to this Brewers game, it was Brewers <laughs> Twins. Why, why I went to this on a day when it was 100 degrees outside, I'm not uh, sure, but went to the casino, absolutely took a bath at the casino. Not a good <laughs> run for your boy at the casino. So, you know, sometimes when you gamble, Jace, you lose money. Yeah. It I could happen. That. And if it, the Bulls win 37 games, that would be pathetic. Billy would need to get fired. I don't Clean house. You can blow it up. Yeah. If they yeah. have another bad year like that, and they're even worse than they were the year before, I think you're in full. So then, Jason, do we root for it? And here's what I'm going to say. I'm it. What I root for doesn't influence how the team performs. And no, I'm going to root for the best case scenario, which is that the team wins 47 or 48 games. Yeah. And gives us some something to get excited about like the dr DeRozan game last year like that was a moment dude we'll always have that game it was hilarious that was awesome you know what i mean it was like nice to see them win a big game and it happened in part because of a really funny reason demar DeRozan's screaming daughter during free throws (laughs) for the raptors uh and i think that like honestly that game in moments like that in the way we felt after that game that's sort of the reason why you don't tear it down and you try to say, well, we think we could maybe win 47 games. So we're going to go for that. Like, I don't think that winning 47 games means that you're on a bad path. Ideally, you know, you want to have good young players and you want to get better from there. Yeah. This was just like a stupid Instagram ranking, but I saw a, you know, it was on my like explore instagram page or whatever it was somebody ranked every young core in the league i did this story myself on sb nation a couple weeks ago but only ranked the top 11 i think best young cores in the nba this article was ranking every team the bulls were 28th they were behind the clippers and they were behind the bucks or ahead of the clippers yes those were the only two teams they were ahead of and it was still including like terrence mann part of the clippers young core it was terrence mann is 27 Right, it's including Alonzo, part of the Bulls' young core. That's why I'm saying don't put too much stock in this. But yeah. so they were 28th. Like you can't really argue the Bulls' young core, even if that ranking was stupid. You can't. If you were to say who, you know, how would you rank the best young cores in the league? They can't be very high. They no. don't. They just don't really have any good young players on the team. They totally whiffed on the Dalen pick. You know, they have some. Ni- they have some nice young guys. Pat is a nice young player. Kobe's nice. a nice young player, but they're not like building blocks really we'll right see now. what they are this year you know yeah. after another year it's a big year for pat and kobe for sure if those guys can both hit their best case scenarios now this is just the classic Reinsdorfian way to build a team if you talk yourself into every player on the team having a career year yeah. maybe the team can be the sixth best team in the east and i was doing the same shit the head of the white Sox season well you know if eloy can hit 40 home runs and stay healthy. And if Ben Attendee can, it's like, no, not everyone's going to have his career year at the same time. In fact, most of these guys suck. <laughs> so, oh, God, Jerry, 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 Jerry. Anyways, uh, that's enough of that. Let's, let's talk a bit about this Lonzo. Uh, like, I did not see the whole thing. Listen to the whole thing. He was on with Trey young on the, it's like the point. I can't, I can't remember what the name of this podcast is. It's, uh, it's, it was a Trey Young podcast. He every player like has a podcast these days. It's from the point by Trey Young. Um, yeah, Lon, this from a couple days ago. It's about half an hour long. It looks like you could watch it on YouTube. Um, and he just talked about his injury. He talked about what ifs. 
uh, like the headliners, injury, what ifs, Lakers, LeBron, big ball, Brandon, blah, blah, blah. And like, obviously the stuff we care about is the injury. And uh, like you said, he confirmed he's out for the year. We knew it already, uh, but he said, yeah, like that. that and he kind of talked about it, just made a lot of Bulls fans sad, like talking about how he just like felt that's like really at home with the team. He just loved what they had built in that first year. And we had a lot of fun watching that team before he got hurt. They were top of the East for a while. And Lonzo was awesome. And like, he was a player that kind of, brought the whole glue together uh, or kind of glued a lot of the together. And as we've seen since he got hurt, they closed that year mostly like shit besides like DeMar when DeMar went like a historic run. Uh, And then last year was mostly miserable. So like, we'll see if guys like Javon Carter and Torrey Craig will help turn that around uh, for a full season, not just going 14 and nine after a trade deadline. Um, But yeah, I mean, just kind of sad. I mean, it's, uh, obviously nice to see Lonzo like whatever talking being comfortable to talk about it but um just a bummer of course this whole how this whole thing is played out uh Ricky I I don't, I don't know how long we even want to talk about this because it's just like it's the kind of the same stuff we've known we've known a lot of this um any just general thoughts on Lonzo's podcast talk about is the Stephen A Smith yeah let's talk Stephen about the Stephen A Smith thing that was ridiculous so there was you know and we can get back to why people don't like aggregation, Jason. Personally, I don't mind it. I'm not going to sift through every podcast and find the best right. sound, but some people, as long as, like it's do- as long as it's done right, it's good. It's fine. I don't hate them for it. Yeah. But this is what can happen when you do that. The Twitter account, and yes, we're still calling it that NBA Central That's or right. something like that. Big, it's, it's Dunk Central million, now. Something like got that. Like yeah. Two million followers, I think. Yeah. Uh, it tweeted out that. Stephen A. Smith, a quote where he said, I heard Lonzo can't even stand up after sitting down in a chair. So Lonzo goes on Twitter and posts a video of him outside at a pool <laughs> sitting on a chair, and he keeps standing up and sitting down off his bad knee, his left knee. So uh, while he's doing this, he's screaming, Stephen A., who are your sources, bro? What are you talking about? It was a funny, entertaining video. I wrote a little blog on it on SB Nation. It was hilarious. It was like, yes, we're in the dying days of Twitter, but you know what? It can still provide some solid entertainment of Lonzo Ball sitting up and down off a chair next to a pool yelling, Stephen A., who are your sources, bro? Lonzo did say, I'm coming back. That's the last thing he says at the end of the video. I'm coming back. Well, Stephen A., goes on this huge rant about Lonzo, where he seems like vindictive. He threatens to blackmail him for this private medical information. He goes, I know your doctors. I know where you had the surgery. I know when you had the surgery. You think I'm talking, I'm saying all this stuff because uh, I'm just getting it from nowhere? No, I'm hearing from people that like, you may be cooked, you don't play. So Stephen A seemed to be firing back at Lonzo over something different than what Lonzo was getting mad at Stephen A for. Lonzo got mad for one aggregated quote that said he can't, that where Stephen A said, I heard he's having trouble standing right. up when he's sitting down. Stephen A then goes berserk, blasts <laughs> Lonzo and says, basically says your injury's bad. So don't be like standing up off a chair and saying you're healthy. Lonzo's not saying he's healthy. He said he's out for the year. And Stephen A just got really like vindictive and weird about it and like took it as a personal challenge and then starts threatening to leak Lonzo's private medical information. So super bizarre stuff. Stephen A, what are you doing? 
I generally like Stephen A. I find him entertaining, but like that was a super bizarre interaction on Stephen A's part. It's not necessary. Yeah. Just like take the high road so there, man. Upset. I know that's not, I know that's not his job. He's his job is to be an entertainer and to make headlines and to be a big bombastic voice. And like I get it, but like yeah, like it's when you're getting into like that personal, like people are like making jokes about like HIPAA and stuff like that, like. Just don't unnecessary. You can just, if anything, just whatever. You can address it and just like not go on a rant and like be mean spirited about it. But again, that's it's not really his. It's not his style. He's he's got to always be right and he's got to get the last word in. He's going to be loud about it. It's just unnecessary. But I said that's kind of the name of the game with Stephen A. So uh, (laughs) the video was funny, Um, and obviously we hope Lonzo is able to come back. I am not counting on it. Uh, I don't. I would be surprised if he plays for the Bulls ever again. But uh, I would love to see him back in a Bulls uniform, even if he was just like coming off the bench. Uh, just get him back on the NBA court, even if it's not with the Bulls again. I just want to see Lonzo get on an NBA court again for another game because this has been just absolutely brutal for him. Multiple surgeries, this unique surgery that he underwent that like almost no no players have go- undergone before. Uh, it's just a tough situation. It's tough for him. It's tough for the Bulls team building. I just and it sucks for the fans because Lonzo's a great player to watch. Seems like a really good dude, uh, and it's just a bummer. So unnecessary, Stephen A. Come on, man. Well, Jace, uh, that's about all we got. I think yeah, I think that's about all we got here. Uh, we are what are we right now? End of August. We got the FIBA World Cup coming up. There is uh, we got I believe Vooch is in it and Carlick Jones is in Carlick Jones is playing for South Sudan. Yeah. So we got two bowls in the FIBA World Cup. That starts Friday, August 25th, which is in just a few hours as we yep. record this podcast. So Team USA plays, I believe, on Saturday. Uh, they are the favorite, of course. Anthony Edwards, been a lot of stuff hype about him. The game he had last weekend against Germany and a lot of good quotes coming out about him. They're, and they're going to be an interesting team uh, to watch since they don't really have like the usual star talent on their roster like i said anthony edwards is like the guy now and like brunson and austin reeves bobby portis is on the team before bulls legend bobby portis uh like michael bridges jaron jackson jr all these guys so like it'll be an interesting team uh hopefully it'll be good to root for. it's kind of fun that they're it's not like just like a dominant group like well it can be fun to watch them bashing teams in like it'll be kind of fun to watch these guys get challenged see how they respond on the national or on the international stage taking usa or the field in this tournament the usa came in seventh (sighs) the last world cup in 2019 they lost to france they lost to serbia usa or the field jays like i said they are favored i would probably lean towards the field like if i was i guess if i was a gambling man clearly i am a gambling man i bet bet 150 dollars on the bulls if i were to bet i would probably take the field uh would I predict Team USA wins? I think they will probably lose one of those. Like, I think they'll medal. I don't know if they're going to get gold because they just—they are young. They're pretty inexperienced. And I could just see one of those more veteran, other really good teams that like have played together internationally for a while. I could see them winning like a close game. I mean, Team USA should have lo- probably should have lost to Germany. They used to, like an 18-0 run. I mean, maybe they've just been slow playing teams. And they did go five and zero. They did get challenged by Spain. They got challenged by Germany. Like we'd see if they they do play like run into France or well, I think like the Canadian team is really good. Australia is good. Um, so I would probably lean towards the field, but I mean, of course, like Team USA could absolutely win, and they're a favorite for the reason they have a bunch of good NBA players on it, even if they're not the stars. What do you think? 
I would take Team USA, but yeah, I think the field is probably just as smart or smarter of a bet. Of a so bet, yeah. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, I think they should be interesting. Uh, so yeah, that, that's about it, right? We're good. Like I said, yeah. So like, end of, uh, we still got like a month or two, like with this FIBA tournament training camp. And I believe the season's like a, a week later than usual. Training camp, I believe, like doesn't fully open until the first week of September. Uh, so we still got a bit of time. So we got FIBA World Cup to uh, keep our NBA interest going here for the next couple weeks. Uh, besides that, not a whole much else. Uh, see the White Sox, a lot of stuff going on with the White Sox now. We obviously have the NFL, uh, the football starting up soon, so that's exciting. Hopefully the Bears will be good. The Cubs are in a playoff chase, so that's exciting. But uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Um, if you like what we do here at Cash, please, tons of other great podcasts all across Blue Wires. So please go go check out the samplings of the podcast at the Blue Wire Network. Really appreciate it. Uh, for us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. It helps us out. Or if you don't want to give us a five-star rating, let us know how we can do better. We give us those ratings. Give us feedback. Uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow me on Twitter or the place formerly known as Twitter. We'll still call it Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at Bulls underscore J. Follow Ricky at SBN, at, at SBN underscore Ricky. And, of course, always follow Ricky's great work at SBNation.com. Go check out ClutchPoints.com as well. I don't write there, but I work there. So uh, lots of stuff going on there. So that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Talk to you guys next time. Go Team USA. Go Cubs. This is last year's Bulls. It's not last year's Bulls, ladies and gentlemen.